Welcome to DeFi by Design, where we talk all things blockchain and cryptocurrency while striving to educate, empower, and enrich. Welcome back to the DeFi by Design podcast brought to you by The Rollup, a media and education company that provides high quality, actionable insights and information on all things layer twos, rollups, DeFi, scaling solutions, new protocols, juicy alpha, and insightful research. We're excited to share with you the latest trends and development in the DeFi space so you can stay informed and ahead of the curve. Without further ado, we will jump right into this episode with a brief update on some of our current sponsors. Buffer Finance is a non-custodial, exotic options trading platform built to trade short-term price volatility and hedge risk of high leverage positions. They are a leader in the arbitrum charge taking over on layer twos and totally understand the potential of blockchain technology and how it's transforming the finance industry. They are proud to support DeFi by design. If you're looking for a platform to trade short-term options, look no further than Buffer Finance. With their innovative tech, easy to use platform, they're at the forefront of the options tech in Arbitrum. Visit their website, buffer.finance, and take a look at all their options. ZKX is a leader in the decentralized derivative DEX market on StarkNet. StarkNet is a cutting edge technology built to help scale Ethereum using ZK rollups. They understand the potential of scaling, blockchain tech, and how it's going to change the world of leverage trading. ZKX protocol is happy to be on testnet and will be on mainnet very shortly. Check out ZKX protocol on Twitter, as well as on Crew3 to get more information about what's going on on StarkNet. What is going on, High Rollers, GM, Roll Up Nation? Welcome back. This is episode 106 of the DeFi by Design podcast. Uh, today we're talking to Danielle. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I, there's a there's a J in there. I, 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 I think it's best if you ignore it. <laughs> Just do, the, do the US version. Daniel cool. Day, Day Lewis or whatever. <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, man. So. So yeah, Daniel, welcome to the podcast today. Um, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on. Um, and I also want to take this time to announce uh, the partnership between Overtime and the Rollup. So you guys are going to see a lot more content about Overtime and about this uh, this concept known as SportsFi. Um, you know, I've, I think we're trying to we're trying to separate it from GambleFi, which we'll, we can get into on the podcast a little bit. Um, and you guys are born out of the synthetics ecosystem. Um, my understanding is that Thales is the synthetic token protocol. And then over time, uh, takes uh, this synthetic token infrastructure and builds a front end and a sports finance experience uh, for sports fans. Um, so it's really cool to see like DeFi tech uh, kind of break into the mainstream with sports and, and entertainment. Um, this is episode 106. Uh, it, it's an absolute pleasure to be here uh, chatting with you. And how are you feeling today? Great. Um, that was an amazing intro. You you did kind of made an overall intro, so I don't know what's left for me, but yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> cool, man. Well, yeah, maybe we can get started just by talking about like your your origin story. Like, how did you get started in the space? Um, you know, where were you before, and and then and then how did you how did you come into uh, where you are now? Sounds great. Um, I mostly identify as, as just being a, a developer or a software engineer. I've been at it for like more than fifteen years been doing a lot of, of Java, corporate Java, which was quite boring, but I, I find excitement in, in anything I do and I always stream for, yeah, just, I'm, I'm very competitive, I guess is what I'm saying. So um, 
And and then around 2017, I guess maybe I wasn't the first way of you know crypto OGs, but I definitely wasn't the second. I started trading a little bit, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and all the ICO scams and etc. Um, and somehow I found Synthetics or uh, Haven at the time, and that kind of clicked for me, especially community-wise. I got really engaged in in Synthetics Discord, which was the place to be back in I think 2018 or so. I've met all the all the great people and OGs, many of which are now retired. Um, and yeah, I got very attract, attracted to the space and I wanted to kind of contribute. And I was I was wondering how I can do that because Java actually isn't something you use in Web3, at least not to my knowledge. So I, I started poking around and I figured out maybe I get started doing some Discord bots. And that kind of clicked. So the, in Synthetics, there was this thing called like a grants, SNX grants DAO. And I made some proposals to do some Discord bots. And I think now whenever you go into a certain Discord, you know, on, on the right hand side, you see all those uh, prices, price bots and, and lots of bots. But back in 2018, there weren't none per se. So I was one of the first that did them and kind of maybe not started the trend. But yeah, I was, I was known as the bot master for a while. And having built my rep reputation as a bot master, um, I, I had the chance to to meet you know Kane and Jordan and JJ and all the founders of Synthetics at, at the time. And as Synthetics rolled out this product called Binary Options, um, soon after they made uh, a request for proposal, if you as you would call it in, in corporate world, like who who wants to take this on and spin it up as a separate project DAO and give it all the love it deserves. I've made the pitch and luckily they, they chose us. Um, so that would be the origin story of, of Thales. You know, we branded it Thales and we are talking here about uh, March 2021. So like two and a half years ago. Um, and we started as a binary options protocol and just peer to peer order book trading of binary options and then slowly started scaling towards this AMM approach, which I think is much more superior. And we were lucky that the L2s kind of were brought to life and we could deploy on optimism and you know save a lot on, on gas prices on both deployments and you know just user costs. But we were always kind of attracted towards sports and exotic options. So when finally we we found the missing link, which pun intended was Chainlink deploying uh, sports Oracle, uh, sports odds onto chain and, and everything. We, we figured out, let's use everything we have, which are binary options contracts, and let's try to apply that to sports. And we figured out how to do it contract-wise and released over time. We, we soon had, we recently had our one year anniversary. And yeah, maybe I, I jumped the gun with, with the intro there. So I'm gonna stop briefly and <laughs> let you, you know. The, no, I think that's great. I think that's great. Like you, you've told the story about like your involvement as a bot master in the synthetics discord, which is, which is uh, really cool to like, see how you're like, you know, like it's like community grown, right? Like that's exactly what I think a DAO is looking to do is like foster a, a, a space for people to come in, do what they do best. Like you did with JavaScript and connecting that to web three. And then, and then kind of like let, their community members autonomously continue, develop and, and spin new projects up as you did with Thales. So before we get into overtime, maybe we could start, like build a little bit more of the foundation of Thales. So core, this is a binary options protocol. 
why was it a natural you know next step to take it into sports um well you know part of it is definitely our uh, let's say just being huge sports fans <laughs> so kind of linking what you love with what you do right make make work a pleasure but like binary options are a sort of betting uh, we we stray away from that word but i think for simplicity i, I have to use it um you just binary options it's kind of a derivative so you're speculating on crypto prices um but i'm a huge sports fan and, and sports betting fan and i kind of really always wanted to to do more than just lose right just getting wrecked so um yeah well, this opportunity was kind of there from the start um and as I said, when, when we figured out the missing link, which was how to do like a decentralized ways, way of, of figuring out odds, we didn't want to have like market makers and order book trading. Uh, I, I'm not going to say that's not the web-free approach, but I do think it's very difficult to scale that in a decentralized way without relying on centralized you know, whale market makers. So yeah, as we figured that out, we were very excited to start building and you know, since overtime was released and uh, what it is today, like we are talking lots of, of, you know, cool new things and continuously adding new features, new new market types, new sports and, you know, et cetera. What, what has been kind of the traction? Like what is the volume? Like how many, you know, users? What, what does that look like? Uh, the volume, uh, we, we're talking about 15 million net volume to date. Um, we have a lot of, of large users, to be honest. In terms of uh, distinct da daily users, I have, a, I have to be honest and say that it's not where we want it to be right now. But I think that's a general problem with, with DeFi and everything. And we are working very hard on, on making the UX and on-ramping on you know, much more easier to grasp and approach more users, get that mass adoption that we're all, all hopeful for. Um, and with that in mind, we, we are very eager to, to work on the new account abstraction integration. Uh, just recently, we had a third-party uh, protocol launch a Telegram bot, something like Unibot, I would say, using overtime in the background, so allowing users to use their Telegram clients to, to bet on sports. Um, yeah, so, so and, and that's what we are aiming to do, I would say. Besides being a front end ourselves, we, we are eager to build this liquidity layer uh, of web free and be the dominant sports uh, web free sports book and liquidity provider and have other protocol clients, even web two clients, if you will, just build on top of it and leverage overtime's liquidity to provide a sports book experience. Awesome. And that one of the things I love most about like this sports finance uh, niche is that it's like a Trojan horse for blockchain into Web2. And, and the sports betting industry is massive, right? Almost yeah. after regular finance, I would say sports betting and sports finances is another like billion dollar industry. So you're able to kind of introduce blockchain and decentralization uh, into another economy, if you will, that's almost a little bit more degen by nature. Uh, so I, I, ideally, they're a little bit more accepting of this technology and they you know, might recognize the benefits, whereas it might take a corporate bureaucracy a little bit more time to accept the peer-to-peer -peer nature of this technology. Like 100%. I, I think um, everything we had in previous DeFi summer was kind of cool, but still very abstract for more users. 
Now we are finally bringing something tangible. We are leveraging smart contracts and the trustless concepts for what it, it was meant to be. And we're bringing this to users who can easily hook into, you know, something they, they recognize. And especially with sports betting, I feel the trustless part is very important. Um, you might have not had the experience, but I, I know that a lot of people don't appreciate when they get uh, denied their payouts or winnings or they get banned from using. And, you know, in lots of parts of the world, you cannot permissionlessly access uh yeah, sports betting in any any aspect. So I, I think it's, well, maybe not, you know, the first, but it's one of the first actual use cases where smart contracts can demonstrate how something can improve a multi-billionaire, multi-billion Web2 industry. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think this is finally like it's, it's, a, it's an application that is appealing to the masses because how many DeFi, you know, money Legos can we build? Like there's still a wall between people's understanding of, of Ethereum and like a distrust. And like, you know, they, when they think about crypto and they think about blockchain, it's like, all right, if you're not really in it now, you're not really going to understand it or want to learn about it. But if it's happening in the background and it means that you're not going to be denied your payout and you can make bets with almost any size, then it, it, now you're speaking the language of people in that sports betting world without saying the words blockchain, without saying the words crypto. It's yeah. like these are words they understand and it moves the needle for them because it, it gives them an advantage. Whereas their Web2 trusted sports book is not giving them that that that, that advantage. So I, I still want to hit on like some of the more like innovative aspects that you guys are building. Yeah. You mentioned account abstraction. I think that's huge. Even at, I don't know if you were at ECC this past year, Vitalik gave his his kind of like keynote presentation about account abstraction. And this is something that is very uh, like important to Web2 users. So, right, because sports bettors don't necessarily have MetaMask and understand how to switch yeah. between networks. So how is account abstraction, like... What 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 type of account abstraction are you guys developing? How do you see that fitting into uh, the link between the Web three world and the Web two world? Um, so we we are relying on third party providers to who who are focused solely on account abstraction. I do think that's the best approach because you want to decentralize even on those aspects of not having to. No, so we we are very determined to do this. Let's say the web freeway, which is getting continuously harder, especially with with the latest trends of you know um, roll bits and whatnot. You know, spinning out and being very successful by and still being very decentralized. Uh, so sorry, being very centralized. But we are determined to do this the right way, the way I was taught back in the early days of Synthetics Discord by Kane and and the bunch which is we don't want any control or custody over user funds. We guarantee payouts with 100% solvency on-chain, which I don't think any other even web-free sportsbook does. And we do that even for parlays. So even parlays where you have like whatever, 69x leverage, um, they are all 100% solvent on-chain. Uh, that, that's definitely unique in this space. Um, so to get back on the account abstraction part, uh, I think it's very exciting to be able to use your Google account or, you know, it, there's no limit, limit in what, what you can use. 
um, but it will help a lot to like the, the biggest friction point. Let's say I want to onboard my friends. You know, I've got a lot of friends. All are excited to hear about it. The first step where you have to explain them to install MetaMask, you know, create a wallet, deposit, you're losing them somewhere along the way. And even if, let's say you do all that and, and then you let them lose, kind of now you can use it. They're probably going to get scammed within like one month because they still lack the fundamental understanding of how to protect their private key and how to, you know, protect themselves against all the scam links of unlimited allowance, etc. etc. So I do feel account abstraction and just letting users use DeFi as you said it without having the complexity or even necessarily knowing what's going on underneath, but knowing that they are, that the, 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 this trustless factor plays in. Um, yeah, I think that's the way to go. And we're talking here about gasless transactions, you know, just, yeah, simplicity as it's fine is using your Google account to do, to do whatever you, you want to do now and, and can do it with, with the overtimes dApp. Very cool. And and I think this is is intertwined with the other aspect that you mentioned is coming out soon, which is a third party telegram integration for sending orders into the into the uh, the overtime liquidity market. How do you view this connection with the market? Like you guys have liquidity and and there's other front ends in addition to the overtime front end that are sending order flow into the exchange. Like, what is your mental model for integrating like business integrations with the Web3 market and the Web2 sports market as well? Yeah, that's exactly. We, we are kind of, well, I wouldn't say pivoting, but the, the long-term play here is to be a white labeling solution, if you will, where we provide and not just provide uh, the odds, but provide the liquidity. So like you have zero risks as a third party integrator and you can capture a referral fee that's already baked into the contract. So if you are creating, let's say you, you would create now a front end on top of overtime, you could capture a fee from every trade that happens through your uh, front end. And that's just already baked in into the contracts, but you can always add your own fees because what we always aim to, to continuously improve is have higher liquidity and lower spreads so that the odds are on, are on par with, if you will, Pinnacle at this point and definitely the best in the web-free world. Describe Pinnacle for anyone like who's listening, who isn't understand, maybe they know, you know, they're familiar with sports betting, but not so much kind of like the ins and outs. What yeah. is Pinnacle? I, I I wouldn't be able to, to describe its history or inception, but Pinnacle is known to be the sharpest sportbook out there. So with the, the best odds, best liquidity, and you know, just smallest spread. So it's always the the you know the, the example people use to compare odds against. Got it. So so the idea of overtime is to be the pinnacle. Of, of Web3, so decentralized, peer-to-peer, uh, uh, -peer, trustless, non-custodial liquidity, and the sharpest odds out there, exactly. tightest spreads. Exactly. Okay. Got it. And then, and then how are, like, like how are Barstool Sportsbook, FanDuel, DraftKings, ESPN is, is launching their own sports that I saw last week. How do those sportsbooks interact with Pinnacle? I'm not sure that they do per se, but they probably do because Pinnacle has the sharpest odds makers uh, out there. 
I do think it's not completely transparent as everything in Web2 isn't, right? So um, I, I'd say they probably use Pinnacle as a reference point, as the starting odds and just build from there. And no one can beat Pinnacle in terms of the, the odds sharpness and just how how tight their spreads are. So that's definitely you know, the, the route for everyone, let's say. I don't. I don't want to make this podcast about Pinnacle. I, yeah. I so. The, the, so this is my last. My last question there. Like, what makes them so sharp? Um. Yeah. So I again, not that they are that transparent, but besides paying the sharpest mind minds who who I think a lot of people who are working for Pinnacle started by being uh, on the betting side of Pinnacle and have proven to be profitable which tells, you know, Pinnacle, okay, so you know something we don't, we, we it's better for us to hire you, right? <laughs> and have you make the odds instead. That's one part of, of their success. The other is that um, they have the highest traction. So when they release the odds, millions, if not billions of, of money, like we, if we are talking Super Bowl, the odds are going to get rebalanced straight away, but by the sharp money. And they have this leverage. And when we get to that point that we have such traction and such volume, that we can straight just publish odds and have them armed straight away. I'd say we we have you know been very successful. Yeah, and that's that's what product market fit looks like in this in this case. Awesome. And and maybe we can talk more about that rebalancing and that arbitrage because it's something that I found fascinating. Like I started off, I actually found Bitcoin by playing poker in high school. I would anyway, like. So, so it was something that fascinated me right away. It was like when, when these sports books are taking money for, for games, um, maybe all the money comes on one side of, of, the, of the line. And then the sports book go, has to go find somewhere to, to lay off that action, right? Or, you know, get money on the other side so that they can rebalance and, and just take the spread in the middle. So how, how are sports books finding other uh operators or other liquidity providers to take the other sides of these bets is there like an yeah go ahead yeah i, I think well i am not sure what web two uh, books do but like what we do is uh if everyone's taking one side you continuously make that side less attractive or more expensive depends how you look at it uh, look at it and you make the other side more profitable so you have captured already some of the fees or the spread and you have this luxury of giving a much better payout on the other side, which automatically attracts users to the other users to the other side. And you let users arb the market. And the users, if they see that, let's say the the Super Bowl, and you know whoever is playing, I'm not an NFL expert, but you you know they you make the odds. Let's say if there were 50-50, you give uh, a much better payout on the other side, and then they find maybe Pinnacle or whatever other sports book. It could be Web Two or Web Three, and they make bets on both, like taking the opposite teams. And no matter what happens, they will be winning, which is you know the nature of arbitrage. So that's how you get the rebalancing without having to do anything yourself as a house. You you use you let the users arbit for you. So so. That's almost like the the uh, product market fit the goal for overtime. Yeah. How does how does overtime get to that point? It's already happening to some extent, um, but to get you know much more volume, you actually have to keep improving the odds, make them sharper. And the sharper the odds, the smaller your spread is, the more arbitrage you, arbitrage you are prone to have with other books. 
and then you can leverage some of this multi-billion you know industry and a lot all this money that's going through sports market and some of it is bound to find you because you're offering just you know arbitrage opportunities and you know ultimately i think that's relatively easy easy to tap into and we're already headed that way right now got it so let me let me make sure i understand you're saying that um all things being equal uh like you know liquidity user experience convenience all that being equal uh the money will flow to where the sharpest odds are 100 wherever, wherever the price is the user can get the best price that's where they're going to go so 100 yeah if if it doesn't matter if it's overtime DraftKings, FanDuel, uh barstool right wherever i can get the best price or the Patriots, I'm going to go to the sports book where I can get the best price. Definitely. It might not be you personally, but you know, you, you, you would get it maybe on FanDuel or wherever, but that you would create this arbitrage opportunity for someone to find overtime. So like volume is bound to flow, which is an argument to actually always continue to make your odds sharper and even reduce your margin because you'll get more volume out of the box. So it, it could create for interesting dynamics for sure. Yeah, yeah, it, it does. It, it, it leads me to believe that the rich become richer because when your volume is higher, you can make sharper odds. And then when you make yeah. sharper odds, you can get more volume. And then it's a, it's a, it's a growing cycle. It's a flywheel that mm -hmm. might get us to being the most dominant liquidity layer in, in Web3. Um, and also our, our tech kind of plays into it. I already said that we guarantee 100% solicit that no, no one else does. But the reason this Telegram bot only took like three days to, to create an integration is that we've made everything very modular, very decentralized. Our architecture is very easy to tap into. It's 100% transparent, open source. So like all the decentralization, um, you know, everything the guiding points that that we 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 need to all use so yeah i, I think that will also help just having more and more third-party um in integrators tap into and offer a better ux to to users yeah or not better per se but you know just different i guess uh-huh yeah i can imagine like many different like fantasy or like sports finance applications that can build on top of this liquidity layer and then what, what does an ideal integration look like to overtime? Taking a quick commercial break here to tell you guys about our lovely sponsors. Right before we get back to this fascinating discussion, we have a message from our current sponsors. Here we go. I want to take a moment to introduce you to our sponsor, Premia Finance. Premia is a native options protocol that offers market-driven pricing and capital-efficient returns for traders and liquidity providers. With Premia, you can trade options on a variety of different crypto assets. Well, what sets Premia apart is its unique pricing mechanism, which is based on the market's expectation of future volatility. This means that options prices are always in line with market conditions, which provides traders with the most fair and transparent pricing. Recently, Premia has just launched their Options Academy, where you can learn for free how to become a proficient options trader. Uh, feel free to check it out at premium.finance, um, hedge your risks or amplify your positions um, to earn more capital efficient returns on premium finance. Thank you. And another exciting sponsor to introduce you is Plan of Finance. I've recently uh, on, been onboarded as an advisor for Plan of Finance, which is one of the first self-custodial wallets to support account abstraction. 
With Planet Finance, you can revolutionize your crypto experience and take control of your assets like never before. Say goodbye to the hassle of managing multiple wallets. Hello to a seamless, user-friendly experience. Planet Finance allows you to easily manage your assets, swap tokens, and earn rewards all in one place on your mobile phone. They have an app in the Apple App Store as well as in the Google Play Store.、Uh, with Planet Finance's self-custodial wallet, you hold the keys to your assets, ensuring the highest level of security and privacy. With tons of cool features like gasless trading,、um, interesting yield competitions, and cool NFTs, there's an amazing amount of effort going into building this app that already has tens of thousands of users. So what are you waiting for? Download Planet Finance today and experience the future of crypto wallets. What what I would like to see、uh, is actually a web a web two provider integrating over time, which would mean that the web two provider handles all the regulation that needs to it needs to handle, gets the license, you know, creates a front end, creates a mobile application,、uh, creates a fiat credit card on ramp for users. Because I'm not sure even with user abstraction, that part is going to be a bit difficult. But there is no reason. I'm even thinking of doing it myself. You know, set up a, a company, an entity, wherever, get a a license from you know all those countries that are relatively easy to get a, a license from、uh, for for gaming, and then、uh, allow users to to use a sports book where you actually collateralize every position by using overtime in the background. And I and, and as I said, there's incentive for someone to do that by、uh, because there are out of the box referrals that you can capture. Which is currently 0.5 percent of every of every trade, which would be like five cents on the dollar, right?、Mm-hmm. Or or、yeah. 0.5. Or it would be 0.5. Yeah. Percent, right. Yeah. Yeah.、Um, but I mean, if you're talking millions, that kind of starts growing, and you can add because of, as I was saying, you know, we have tight spreads. We all, we try to to provide sharp odds. You can add your own spread to it and. What I'm saying is, you have zero risks, and you can capture profit by doing this. I guess the only not risk, but you know, the only investment is just starting this company and your own time, of course. Interesting. And and the Web two sports books already have the users. They already have all of the order flow flowing into their their book. This is providing them a more liquid exchange for their users to counterparty their orders with. Exactly. I mean, but you know, there, there are sportsbooks that are struggling to capture risks, and they become insolvent, and you know, then they get into trouble. This guarantees that you cannot become insolvent. You are not putting any of your money to risk. And maybe, arguably, arguably for some bigger players, it doesn't make sense at this point because they get large profit by you know handling all these these risks by by themselves. But I do think there will be an opportunity, and someone will come up. Sooner rather than later, and say I want to use overtime, and I want to build build a Web two product, casino, whatever, with all the licenses. But yeah, just use overtime and blockchain in the background to guarantee solvency. And I think that's when we actually have seen adoption of you know Web three and blockchain product into something, you know, within Web two industry. Yeah, yeah, it, it's the best of both worlds. It, it's the convenience and the the smooth user experience of Web two. With the peer-to-peer, trustless, decentralized uh, 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 efficiency and、um, censorship resistance of Web three, taking combining those two means I, I have this mega application that is both easy and secure, 
And I think I think that's massive for the sports finance industry. Yeah, totally agree. So so switching gears here, like one one way that a web two company could do that is like fantasy sports, right? Because that's very fun. You know, it's it's not inherently like monetary. And I think that is where a lot of the users are in like the sports world. Like, so have you seen any like fantasy sports experimentation in um, the Web3 world? I've seen a bunch of projects. Uh, I, I think there was one called LeakDAO that I, I don't know if it's around anymore. Um, actually, you know, it's it's been on my my mind as well on, on how we can integrate more of, you know, fantasy. I, I'm an avid fantasy player as well, but for, for England Premier League, so not NFL. I also play NBA fantasy. And, and I do think if we could figure out, but I'm not quite there yet, like brainstorming wise, how we can leverage and integrate fantasy into overtime besides doing what we're doing right now, which is like engaging our community by sponsoring some fantasy leagues and, and, and you know, whatever. But there's definitely opportunity to, to use the tech in terms of using NFTs, for example, to, to present every every player. I mean, that's kind of an obvious use case right for it or but but when you're talking to monet you're, you're talking about how to monetize this and how to allow users to maybe i don't know bet on fantasy or, or, or on outcome actually i have seen for england premier league i have seen our local sports book offering i don't know if you play if you play it but they offer how many fantasy points will a certain player uh, score in that game week and then you can bet you know whether it's going to be more or less so maybe this that's is, one of the use cases, yeah. That this is prize picks. Pri- I see. I watch some YouTube, right? Like prize picks is is all over the map, and it's just over unders. It's like will Nikola Jokic score more than forty points over under, right? And then it's yeah. that that over under is a binary option, right? Yeah, yeah. We we call those player props, and and we are definitely releasing those soon. So in time for NFL and and uh, and NBA season for sure. But I guess what they meant here, because uh, England Premier League uh, fantasy is a bit specific, um, you can you can bet on whether a player will have more than let's say five points, which means he either scores or creates an assist. So it kind of captures mm-hmm. both. But yeah, ultimately just relies definitely on player props and just does some combinations with those. Cool. Yeah, and then. And then if you can like uh, have a set of player props, uh, maybe that's your team, and then you can compete against someone else. It would be really cool to do like head-to-head matchups. Yeah. Um, I don't know exactly how that would look, but like I'm a fantasy sports player myself. Uh, NFL is coming up, so I uh, I've been getting texts, you know, from people. Oh, we're doing our draft soon, and it's like, oh, all right, let's yeah, get yeah. into it. <laughs> um. Yeah, we are very excited about the NFL season. Uh, as I said, we, we are just preparing to launch player props for, for the NFL season. We have huge incentives campaigns. So, yeah, I think it's going to be huge for our time. Cool. So zoom, zooming out a little bit, like uh, for the rest of like crypto, the rest of blockchain, like what are, what are some of the things in this ecosystem that y- you are really excited about that are maybe not exactly what you're what, – Overtime is building or Thales is building. What are some of the other things that, you know, you think are really interesting? No, I, I might need to take a moment to think about it. We already touched upon, uh, upon user abstraction. Um, I'm really eager to see that 
finally released and you know if it does what we are hopeful it will do which it is definitely like 10x the the user number um I, I, I want to say it as a joke, but it will definitely be much easier for me to talk about the things I don't like <laughs> in this space uh, than, than the things I like, which I don't know what's, what it says it says exactly, but yeah, it, it is what it is. I'm, I'm a coder in, in nutshell, so what, what I really love is, you know, just coding. I love what smart contracts can do, and I love all the, the, techs, the, the tech aspect of it. I'm excited about the uh, Ape uh, four, 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 sorry, 4844, which will make L2 transactions like 10 to 100 times uh, cheaper, thus allowing us. And, and Overtime and Tailies are really a protocol that leverages smart contracts to a level that has not been seen before in terms of how much complexity we put into smart contracts, which, you know, having said it like that, maybe sounds not so great, but like parlays, for example, when, when a user creates an eight-leg parlay in overtime, it actually, the, the smart contract actually goes and buys eight individual positions to collateralize that parlay 100%. And this takes up maybe 10 million gas units which on, on layer one, it would be like $1,000 for a transaction, but on layer two is like $1. And we can get that $1 even to like 10 cents maybe after this AP is released. But then again, I'm excited about it because that means maybe we can make even more interesting stuff like that. You know. And and maybe you can also, like overtime right now is on Arbitrum and Optimism, yeah? Yes. So with L2s, uh, sorry, I, if you want to go ahead and, and expand, yeah. Um, yeah, so we, we are also excited about the base chain. We, we plan to, to make a full deployment there and to go strong, like building a community and everything. And I think that's, you know, a big thing as well. So. Yeah, multi-chain is, is huge. Like one of the things I, I texted Red before, before we hopped on was like the difference between fat application thesis and fat protocol thesis. And, and originally I was a believer in fat protocol thesis. I was like, you know, I, I thought uh, it was very, it was the, the argument was very laid out is very, it seemed very intuitive that the, that the value would flow down to the networks because people are paying gas for real estate on the blockchain networks. Recently, my mindset has started to change because we see something like Uniswap. Once Uniswap deploys to a new, a new network, they get all of the volume. For instance, take Avalanche. Avalanche was like, you know, Trader Joe was like the home decentralized exchange on Avalanche. Now Avalanche is like dead and Trader Joe has gone to another chain. It's like the networks and the protocols don't survive. The applications with brand recognition tend to survive. So now I've recently started to shift into the fat application thesis because it's the brands that have the recognition. They, they are the ones getting fat and the liquidity follows them. So when you're thinking about the next network like base to deploy over time to what, what goes into that? Do you think ultimately over time will go multi-chain and, and incorporate all chains? Um, and, and have you thought, so, so maybe we can start there and then we can talk more about the fat application and the fat protocol thesis. Yeah. I mean, you kind of already made a good point of, um, of how the protocols survive the chains many, many times. I'm definitely not a fan of, and we had this like 
last DeFi summer with all the Ethereum killers, how many have survived. Um, and, and now we're having that with L2s and we're having seemingly L3s, although I'm not, I, I, I would argue that those are not actual L3s. But I don't think we need hundreds of chains, to be honest, when we are struggling even getting like 100 unique users on the main L2 chains. So um, I think that's creating, and, and maybe that's being pushed by a VC narrative or whatever, but I think that's even creating and slowing down the adoption, if you will, per se, you know, by diluting already relatively small user base. Um, but I do think a chain such as uh, base chain that we all hope would make the on-ramping very, very easy for lots of users. I do think that's the chain you want to be present on and establish a community and just, you know, presence overall from, from, from day one, if possible. Um, Optimism in Arbitrum, and, and that's where I think you, you do need to have a, a healthy competition between them. They are doing uh, similar things, like being actually decentralized, minus the sequencer discussion, but decentralized L2s, and they create this healthy competition where, where they both try to make you know the other one better, or actually succeed in making the other one better. But yeah, we I don't think we need 15, 20, EVM compatible chains, um, and we definitely have to make some choices where we want to deploy. But long-term vision, I, I'd say it would be much better to get to a place where you could still be deployed on one chain solely, but be available on other chains or for users from any chain, which maybe CCIP manages to pull off. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I like. Um, when, when we think about liquidity now, we think about, you know, liquidity on Arbitrum or liquidity on, on, um, optimism. And in the future, I, th I think we're going towards liquidity on overtime where it doesn't really, it's not really on, it's going to be on Arbitrum or on optimism or on base or another chain, but it doesn't really feel like it's separate. It kind of feels like overtime brings it all together. And then there's like a multi-chain router that allows someone from a different chain to deposit so that it can go wherever it's the sharpest, right? Wherever the liquidity is deepest. And honestly, that's what Synthetics is building. Uh, and I think they're making, and Synthetics has been for a while making decisions that are driven by this long-term decentralized vision. And it might have costed them some traction along the way. But when you think about it, that's where what the future needs to look like, at least. You know, you use synthetics, that's one, like one app, one fat app, you will. And um, Teleport is already being released. So you can actually, you know, migrate your depth or your SUSD from Optimism to, say, Arbitrum and Base. But no one will actually look at, look at it like TVL on Arbitrum or Base. I mean, maybe, you know, some people, but it's actually still just part of synthetics and that... that that, that's it, right? And that's what we want to do as well. But we feel for what we are doing right now, especially with overtime, because we are pushing all of our odds to the blockchain. And that's actually kind of expensive, but you need to be very fast. You need to be very sharp. You know, there are sharks out there who are just waiting for like play, player injury news to front run the odds. So yeah, with that in mind, the tech isn't quite out there yet for us to to still be just on one chain, but be available on other chains. So we have to do native deployments still. Understood. Makes sense. So so maybe before, I still want to give you an opportunity to talk about everything you don't like. 
maybe <laughs> before we do that, maybe we can talk a little bit more about this account abstraction because I think it I think it fits into the multi-chain thesis. Um, where eventually like the synthetics teleporter is going to allow like let you know open up a multi-chain deployment type of a world. Like how how do you guys you mentioned it's a third party? What I when I think of account abstraction, maybe others think about it like this. I think about uh, sign in with Ethereum, right next to sign in with Google, sign in with Apple, sign in with Twitter. Yeah. How do you is that is that your kind of like mental model for account abstraction, or do you think there's another approach? What what is the the what what is the right approach when it comes to account abstraction? It's difficult to say what's right. What what I'm hopeful for for is that um, it's still maintains all the decentralization values so that there's there is no like provider of uh, abst user abstraction that will hold all the user keys because I think that will be a step backward as well. Um, but what I imagine it will do, and this is you know following up on what we just discussed, is a user will be able to sign in, be that Google, whatever, Facebook, or even Ethereum wallet, but and, and then use overtime or whatever their favorite dApp is but ultimately not have any idea of which blockchain is being used underneath. And this is also, this will eventually make things very easy for us because while we love all those chains that we mentioned, it's definitely an overhead to manage a deployment and liquidity and, you know, dilution in every sense from like resourcing and attention to users across multiple chains. So yeah, that's why, what I'm hopeful to see. And, and where do the key, where do the keys, where are they stored, right? It, because the user doesn't have the key because it's abstracted away from them. So where does, and, and there are solutions th like account abstraction kind of solutions out there, like magic web three auth. There's these solutions out there that they hold the keys. I, I think they hold the keys. I don't want to, I don't want to put that out there because maybe they have a more complex storage solution. So, so my question is like, where in the ideal account abstraction, where, where are the keys stored? So my understanding of it is um, that actually no one holds the key technically, but maybe indirectly, if you're using your Google login, I, I believe the combination of your email address or just Google authentication creates a unique wallet that can be only yours and no one else's. So out of the box, you own the key because you own your Google account and no one else owns it apart from maybe Google, if you want to argue that, but yeah, I think that's the way it's intended to be. Okay. Yeah. This is a conversation that I hope will open up the door to the masses because people like they don't, you, like you said earlier, you told them to install MetaMask and right away they're like, no thanks. You know? Yeah. So I, I hope that, um, the the few users we see and and it's all across it's not just you know sports fi it's DeFi, it's game fi it's all of these industries where blockchain creates a more trustless economy they don't have the users because the user experience and especially the onboarding yeah. experience is not quite there i mean people if you want to get started a little bit on the things they don't like people have it. Yeah, so people are now using massively Telegram bots and kudos to those that created those bots because they obviously found a great product fit. But I struggle 
to to believe or however I want to phrase it um, that people have zero issues giving private keys of wallets that have non-trivial uh, funds to you know a web a, a database an SQL database because let's be honest here all those Telegram bots like they all store your private keys and they have full control of it. Um, Robit is seeing massive success and you know. Definitely, I'm a little bit jealous, and you know, everyone's thinking like, why isn't overtime seeing this, this, the the success of of Rollbit? But like, it, it's nothing else than a Web two sports book that has a crypto on ramp. So like, I don't think we even compare. It would be the same to say like, why isn't overtime seeing the success of DraftKings? Well, they've been before like 15 years. They they are in in the market for like 15 years or whatever, and they have billions. Or so like, give us time, and maybe we get there. But you know. It seems like we go through all these cycles and you hope that people learn some lessons about the red flags and, and everything and, you know, that the decentralization matter. But, you know, something new pops up or maybe just a few months after, you know, the Luna crashes and people already forget about it and we are at it, you know, all over again. So that's being a bit frustrating for me in this space, definitely. And, and FTX, right? Like, let's yeah. not forget SBF is in jail right now. And, and the same thing that happened to FTX because they custodied user funds could happen to DraftKings. The CEO could go leverage to the guilds on, on all the user funds that are deposited into DraftKings, buy himself mansions in the Bahamas. And now all of a sudden, the, the money that you put into DraftKings is not there because the, the founder took it into yeah. his mansion in the Bahamas. And, and we've seen it like how many times did it happen, right? So, and with, with banks as well. So... That's, I think, the, the value we are trying to create here to, to lose that kind of risk by having everything transparent. I mean, that's what smart contracts were intended to do to begin with. So I still believe that's what they should be used for. And that's what we're enforcing here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think you're right on the money, bro. I, I think so. I think it's very important because these, these black boxes, they can happen in any industry. It can happen in, in finance. It can happen in sports finance. And anytime that there's money at stake, just look at when they start to run out of money. FTX didn't start to loan out customer funds until Alameda was almost insolvent and they started losing tons of money. What happens when DraftKings, you know, spends all of its money trying to compete with FanDuel and they go advertise and, you know, and all they spend all of their money and then they have to go, they have to go raise, they have to go generate more revenue. That's when they start to play around with the yeah. user funds. Right? Or this is chapter 11, right? So, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, but ch chapter 11 never, never helps the, the, yeah. the end user, the normal end user per se. So, right. All the founders and the executives still get their bonuses, and the, yeah. the per person who put their deposit and trusted DraftKings, they're, they're out of luck because the, the money's gone. It's in chapter 11, it's getting paid to lawyers and executives. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, man. So, as we wrap up, you know, uh, about five minutes left here. Like what are, what are some closing thoughts? If you have, um, you know, anything, um, also, um, we, we're, we're going to put all the links in the description, um, to overtime and, and we're really thankful for you guys and, and really excited for this partnership because of all the things that we talked about, I think, and, 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 you know, there's so much trust right now in sports finance. I think that, uh, there's a lot of decentralization that can take place. So what, what are you guys, um, you know, any closing thoughts, like what on, on your side? I, I guess it, it makes sense to talk about uh, a little bit about the roadmap. Um, 
we we touched about uh, account abstraction we touched about uh, player props which you know have been in great demand i do want to make kind of a disclaimer there um i, I think we are one of the the fastest based uh, teams in in defi we we roll out things quickly with good quality but you know it did take us a while to introduce player props because you know everything is peer to peer so we are kind of we have to pro protect the liquidity providers as well and and everything we do um requires special consideration like when we add a new sport like golf uh we have to analyze you know all the risks we have to just generate code. So it's different from, again, DraftKings or, or Rollbit, where every new sports market is just a new new line of SQL code or whatever. Um, so yeah, player props are coming. And after that, we are going to tackle live betting, which would, again, be the first in Web3. I'm pretty sure no one has done it, and no one has done it with smart contracts, for sure. And I'm hopeful, you know, maybe start of NBA season is a bit optimistic. That's like end of October. But until end of year, I'm really excited to deliver, you know, the first live betting on, on Web3. Um, and yeah, we, we already talked about deploying to base chain and we are very excited to also offer overtime on base chain. So I think, yeah, that's that's maybe enough in, in yeah. terms of roadmap. <laughs> I'll, here, I'll, I'll keep going as far as what's available right now. Um, so guys, it's overtimemarkets.xyz. Right now there's soccer, football, baseball, fighting sports, which is MMA, UFC, boxing, uh, tennis, esports, motorsports, and and now golf. Uh, like like you mentioned. So all those sports, I mean, definitely, definitely very, very, very sharp odds. Um, trustless, peer-to-peer, -peer, decentralized and non-custodial, censorship resistant. So you guys are not going to get banned. You know, like there's no, there's um, large, there's deep liquidity. So you guys can make large trades. You're not going to get kicked off the platform for winning. Um, so it's censorship resistant. Um, and right, there's, there's incentives happening. So if you, if you do well and you place volume, you guys have, I think it's 180,000 Thales, 90,000 ARB and 90,000 OP that is up for grabs. And that's, you know, that's extra incentives that you guys can use, whether it's, you know, to, to offset some of your losses, or if it's just, uh, you know, for having fun on the platform, that's, that's extra bonuses, uh, for using overtime. Yeah. It's plus EV. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Deep liquidity, sharp odds and uh positive EV. We, we love it. Um, the, the last question that, that we have, we ask everyone that comes on the podcast, um, if you were stuck in an elevator with anyone uh, and you had to ex explain um, what you're building with Thales and Overtime, um, who would you choose to be stuck in an elevator with and why? Wow, wow. So so you ask everyone and everyone has a, an answer on the spot. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and, and I'll, I'll give you yeah. a hint. So the last person that we had on the podcast, it was uh, Swell Network, it's a LSD uh, protocol. He was the first person to say Satoshi out of yeah. 105 podcasts. It took 105 people to answer that question before someone said Satoshi. I mean, I'm going to take the opposite approach and, and say I, I would like to meet the Rollbit founder and just have a very, very deep argument <laughs> with him about, you know, how they are, you know, just being toxic for the whole environment. And uh, yeah, just. Yeah. 
just ask him when he will rock basically <laughs> and to do it sooner rather than later <laughs> yeah for real man for real i mean we already saw centralized exchanges uh take the tumble right with three arrows capital ftx um and luna um i think it's just a matter of time between set but uh until centralized sports books uh fall to the same fate um and then and then maybe just a matter of time before centralized banks fall to the same fate as well we'll we'll see yeah. um that that might have a, a larger impact so <laughs> yeah so i'm not i'm not hoping for that but who knows well daniel it was it was an absolute pleasure thank you for coming on this was a lot of fun i feel like i learned a lot especially from the perspective of like being in web3 and then onboarding massive web2 users um, I think you guys are doing a great job of introducing blockchain and decentralization to the masses. So thank you for the good work and, and please keep it up. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the DeFi by Design podcast. And a big thank you to all of our sponsors for their support. Please check them out in the links below as well as on our website and in our newsletter. We'll be back with more exciting guests and insights. Until then, stay curious, stay informed, and keep designing the future of DeFi.